everyone. Welcome to A Good Night for a Murder, a Victorian true crime podcast. My name is Kim, and we are still keeping it spooky for tonight's story. It's another case where ghosts and murder collide. This is the case of the Hammersmith ghost. But first, a Victorian society tip. As we get closer to Halloween, and the veil between worlds starts to thin, I wanted to share some of the superstitions Victorians held that maybe you'll think of trying out this season yourself. You know, just in case. Always cover your mouth while yawning so your spear doesn't escape and leave room for the devil to enter. Hold your breath while going by a graveyard, otherwise you will not be buried at the time of your own passing. Plant yellow flowers in the garden to protect your family from witches. A dog howling at night when someone in the house is sick is a bad omen. It can be reversed by reaching under the bed and turning over a shoe. Speaking of shoes, never place new shoes on a table. It will lead to the death of the wearer within a year. Don't open an umbrella indoors or someone in your family will die. Don't speak ill of the dead. They will come back to haunt you. If a funeral procession is approaching, turn around to avoid bad luck. If this is impossible, hold on to a button until the funeral procession has passed. If someone in your home dies, turn over family photos face down so that the dearly departed cannot possess any of the subjects in the photo. Also, stop the clocks at the time of the deceased passing in order to avoid your own untimely death. If someone dies in your home, cover all mirrors in the house to prevent the spirit of the deceased from hiding there. Do so carefully, though, because the next person who sees a reflection in the mirror will be the next to die. If several deaths occur in the same family, tie a black ribbon to everything left alive that enters the house, even dogs and chickens. This will protect against deaths spreading further. Happy Halloween, everyone. A Good Night for a Murder is a true crime podcast that does cover stories including death, violence, sexual assault, and other adult themes. Please take care while listening. In November and December of 1803 in the Hammersmith District of West London, there were unsettling whispers going round of what some believe to be a supernatural nature. In the area of Black Lion Lane, there had been sightings of a ghost confronting travelers late at night on the dark lane. Rumors are that it's the ghost of a villager who committed suicide the year before and was buried in the graveyard of the local church of St. Paul's. You see, in the early 1800s, suicide was considered a crime and a sin, and as such, those individuals typically were not permitted to be buried on consecrated ground. And for this reason, the locals thought the soul of the man couldn't rest because he was unwelcome in his final resting place. And so he had taken to wandering the surrounding fields and outskirts of the town of Hammersmith at night. In one encounter, an eight-horse wagon carrying 16 passengers was passing through the area when the ghost appeared and scared the driver so much that he bolted on foot, leaving his wagon and passengers to fend for themselves. Another encounter was had by a young pregnant woman where the ghost appeared to her and startled her so much she tried to flee but collapsed and wasn't found until morning. A similar fate befell an elderly woman in the village. And in both cases, both women died only a few days later, reportedly from the shock of the encounter. Some who encountered the ghost, though, had a different perspective. In one instance, a man reported walking near the churchyard at night with a friend when the ghost appeared from behind a tombstone and reached out for his friend. 
When the man turned to aid his friend, the ghost grabbed him by the shoulders and pushed him away. And to defend himself, he struck out with his fists, and his blows landed on something soft that he described as like a great coat. Then, on December 29, a night watchman named William Girdler spotted the ghost and gave chase. At which point, he was surprised to see the ghost throw off its white covering and its wearer disappear into the night. So, the residents of Hammersmith were divided into two camps regarding their ghost situation. Some believed it was truly the wandering soul of this man buried in the churchyard. And others believed this ghost was actually someone very much alive. Just like today, folks in the 1800s were not above perpetrating a bit of a hoax for fun. But also, it was pretty common for thieves and robbers to dress like ghosts in order to trick their victims. So either way, the people of Hammersmith get together and decide they need to get to the bottom of this. The town had no official police force established, so the residents took it upon themselves to form a night watch committee. But the town had so many dark paths and lanes, it was difficult to execute any real organized patrol effort. And after a few nights, the watch committee turned up nothing. Frustrated with the lack of progress they were making, certain individuals decided to go rogue and split off on their own patrols. One of these individuals was 29-year-old Francis Smith. On the night of January 3rd, about 11 p.m., Smith was patrolling the area of Black Lion Lane with a shotgun in search of the ghost. It's at this point Smith sees a white figure emerge at the other end of the lane approaching him. Francis calls out, damn you, who are you and what are you? Damn you, I'll shoot you. And then, without hesitation, Smith fires, and the figure in white fell to the ground. Three other men in the area heard the commotion and rushed to the scene to discover a very agitated Francis Smith standing over the body of a very real flesh-and-blood person. Shortly thereafter, a constable arrived and took Smith into custody. The very real person that Smith had fired on was Thomas Millwood, who was a bricklayer by trade. As bricklayers were often covered in dust from the cement they worked with, Millwood had been dressed head to toe in white, including linen trousers, a waistcoat, and an apron. He had just left the home of his parents and sister, who lived on Black Lion Lane, and was headed home for the night. Earlier that week, Millwood had had another run-in with a gentleman and two ladies in a carriage on the same lane, who he'd also startled. That time, the gentleman and Millwood only exchanged words, but after relating the encounter to his wife, she begged him to please throw on a coat over his white clothing before something happened. But Millwood, unfortunately, believing the ghost rumors to be utter nonsense, refused. Millwood's body was taken to a nearby inn where a surgeon examined him and determined his cause of death to be a single shot that entered the left side of his lower jaw and exited the back of his neck. Smith, meanwhile, was brought up on charges of willful murder to which he pled not guilty. Smith stated that it was a true case of mistaken identity. He openly admitted that he shot Millwood, but he'd been so surprised and agitated at the sight of him, he didn't know what he was actually doing. There was a number of character witnesses who testified that Smith was a mild-mannered, easygoing guy, not at all of the character that would commit willful murder. Millwood's sister, whose house he had just left, testified that she'd heard the entire thing go down and agrees that while Smith did call out a warning, he did not hesitate or wait for a response before discharging the fatal shot. The judge instructed the jury that Smith was not acting in self-defense. He had intentionally shot this man who had not provoked him. And even if there had been a supposed ghost who was menacing the community, that is not an offense that warrants the force Smith enacted. 
After deliberating for an hour, the jury returned with a verdict of guilty of manslaughter, which is a lesser offense than murder, and not the one Smith was charged with. To which the judge responded, no, you can't do that. You have to find him guilty of what he's charged with or fully acquit him. The jury goes back, deliberates again, and this time they find Smith guilty of murder for which the sentence is death by hanging, then donation of the body to the medical schools for dissection. The judge issues the sentence, then immediately advises the court that he will report the case to the Crown in an effort to secure a pardon for Smith. The public response, and obviously the response within the courtroom as well, was so sympathetic to Smith that although they were obligated to follow the law of the land, as they say, no one wanted to see Smith hanged for what pretty much everyone accepted as an honest mistake. So the judge reports the case to the Crown, who by 7 p.m. that evening commanded what's called a respite during pleasure which pretty much means that someone will be held in prison until the Crown decides what to do with them. And three weeks later, the Crown issued a pardon under the condition that Smith serve one year in prison. I also found this stated as one year of hard labor, depending on what source you read. Although the trial has ended, the mystery of the Hammersmith ghost still remains, though. Finally, due to the popularity of the case and significant public outcry to solve the mystery once and for all, a local shoemaker named John Graham came forward and admitted that he was the real Hammersmith ghost. You see, his apprentices had been telling his children ghost stories that had scared them so much, he decided to dress up and scare them in retaliation. And that was it. That was the end of the mystery. There's no records of any charges or fines or anything brought against Graham. This question, though, of if someone makes an honest-to-goodness mistake, does that mean they're guilty? was kind of a thorn in the side of courts for another 180 years. It was finally resolved in a 1984 case where a man saw someone dragging another person through the streets, so he intervened, going after the person who was dragging the other guy along the ground. But it turned out the person being dragged on the ground was actually the assailant, but had the tables turned on him when his victim gained the upper hand. The man who intervened was initially charged and convicted of assault, but an appeal was made and the conviction was overturned. And apparently, the influence of the case of the Hammersmith ghost was referenced in that decision. Now, to bring the story full circle, and because it's almost Halloween, it is my duty to let you know that the pub where they brought Millwood after he had been mistakenly shot is still standing and is reputed to be haunted by the ghost of Thomas Millwood. It's called the Black Lion Pub, and it's right there on Black Lion Lane in Hammersmith. I found one article from 2004 where the landlord admitted that there was some strange goings on at the pub, things like hearing your name call when no one else is around and the like. There is also a plaque on the outside of the building relating the incident of the Hammersmith ghost, but despite that, it doesn't look like they lean too much into the haunted pub storyline. It does look like a fun place to grab a bite though, and they have vegan options, which I always appreciate. If you head over to Instagram or TikTok at a goodnight for a murder, you can see some photos of what some reported the Hammersmith ghost to look like, plus an example of what a Victorian bricklayer would wear. You can also see the photos and source links on the episode blog on my website at a goodnightforamurder.com. While you're on the website, you can sign up for the Goodnight for a Murder newsletter. Each month, I send episode roundups, reveals of next month's episodes, and other goodies like extra Victorian society tips, book recommendations, and more. The bonus content for the Housekeeper and Butler tier Patreons for this episode is a wrongful conviction story that involves a haunted jail and a curse from the 1870s. To subscribe to Patreon and learn more about the podcast, you can visit agoodnightforamurder.com. Also follow me on Instagram or TikTok at agoodnightforamurder. 
Please rate and review and share with friends. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye.